Itami Media Group's 2 million download celebration. Hami Media would like to say thank you to all of our sponsors for supporting our free independent media platform. As we continue to grow with listener and sponsor support, we look forward to partnering with other creators looking to grow their audience, artists, debuting their work, and offering the best artisan products for our listeners to enjoy. Thank you to the following sponsors. Stevie Richards Fitness. Stuck at home? Gym's closed? You can be a band new you anywhere with the Stevie Richards Fitness Resistance Band Training Program. Head over to StevieRichardsFitness.com and join the SRF Resistance today. Zordos Olive Oil. Zordos Olive Oil. Imported ultra premium Greek olive oil. Available now at ZordosOliveOil.com. Taste the difference for yourself. The Coffee Brosters at TheBrosters.com. The only place to get the limited edition Vince Russo Bro Coffee. Get up and have a cup of bro, bro. Exclusively from thebrosters.com. ProWrestlingTees.com. The best way to support your favorite independent wrestlers, podcasts, and hosts from Hami Media Group and Russo Brand is to get their merchandise exclusively at ProWrestlingTees.com. Podcorn.com. Podcorn is the place for podcasters and sponsors to network, find guests, sell ad space, and create new opportunities to build your brand at podcorn.com. And Hami Media Group welcomes our newest sponsor, Tech Memes Ride Home Podcast. When the New Yorker magazine asked Mark Zuckerberg how he gets his news, he said the one news source he definitely follows is Tech Meme. For more than two years and 700 episodes, the Tech Meme Ride Home has been Silicon Valley's favorite tech news podcast. The Tech Meme Ride Home is a daily podcast, only 15 to 20 minutes long, and every day by 5 p.m. Eastern. Eastern, it's all the latest tech news, but it's more than just headlines. You can get a robot to read your headlines. The Tech Meme Ride Home is all the context around the latest news of the day. It's all the top stories, the top posts, tweets, and conversations about those stories, as well as behind the scenes analysis. The Tech Meme Ride Home is like TLDR as a service. The folks of Tech Meme are online all day reading everything so they can catch you up. So listen to the one podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every single day. Search your podcast app now for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. Thank you to all of our sponsors, subscribers, followers, guests, producers, and hosts of Hami Media Group. Two million downloads for Hami Media Group is all because of your efforts and support. This is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the professor, Chalbello Veracruz. What a run! Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen. Yeah, the queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the Hami Media Time Machine. Sweet! 
Nights. It is Sunday, and if you're on the Podbean platforms, which one are you on? Are you on HackerHameen at Podbean.com, or are you on Hameen Media Group at Podbean.com? Whichever the case may be, you are enjoying programming. You are enjoying the Conspiracy Horsemen. You are enjoying the Locker Rooms. You are enjoying the Right Opinion. You are enjoying the Film Frequencies, the Cage Theories, and of course, you are enjoying the flagship show of the Hami Media Group at Podbean.com, the PWR Podcast. And we are in episode 123, and we're going to go what I've always dreamed of. We're going to take an episode of an organization and do it boardroom style. Why go segment by segment? Why go interview? Why go match by match? Why talk about the movesets? Why talk about why the ring psychology was there? We've done that for the past hundred episodes. Now it's time to go to a new direction. But before I do that, I must represent moi. I must introduce myself because I'm as vain as fuck. I am that man. I am that magnanimous man. I am that spontaneous man. But most importantly, I am that glorious man. The ever objective. I am not a liberal. I am not a conservative. I am not a libertarian. I am not an American. I am a human being that takes it, that calls it like I sees it. The Professor Chabelo Vela Cruz. And you know what? I could do this one solo if I wanted to in my sleep because I am an ECW mark. We're going to be talking about ECW from July 4th, 1995. But you know what? I needed my cohorts in crime. But one of them is still on the men's because Raw Underground, while some people say it's a shitty booking idea, JB, the essential one, keeps getting his ass whipped. This time he got his ass whipped by Shayna Baszler. She wanted men. She wanted women. And then JB said, I, I'll take it. I'll take you on. And he tapped out like the little bitch he was. You know, he could he could talk about cage theory all he wants, but once the Raw Underground took place, he did not know what the hell to do when he went up against Shayna Baszler. So he's still mending his wounds, and hopefully he'll be back for the next episode of the PWR Podcast. But I'm always with my Gorilla Monsoon. I'm always with the man that calls it down the middle, the conservative, conservative liberal, the man who was jumping up and down for joy. When Joe Biden announced Kamala Harris is his choice for vice president of the United States, that ticket alone will mean the coronavirus is over in, in November 2020. That ticket alone will mean the vaccine will be in distribution. That ticket alone means the gyms will open. That ticket alone will mean that you will dine indoors. All you just have to do is vote for Biden and Harris. But this is my man in charge here. He's Mr. Wonderful. He's Tommy Strong. He's the king of social media. 
beat Tommy Wonder. What is going on, my friend? Who's looking like superstar Billy Graham with those shades on? I'm two for two with someone calling me him today. But I will tell you this. Every time you call me a conservative liberal, I think to myself, he's out of his damn mind. If I ever do this show alone, I have to I have to explain it. And then I realize something. As a human being, they don't come any more liberal than me. I accept everybody everywhere. Mm -hmm. the financial responsibility of this country. I will never, ever be a liberal. I will be a conservative because I don't want to end up being living in a third world country and we're well on our way. And if your girl Kamala part two, it's, she, she's promised to give us all $12,000 immediately and $2,000 a month uh, for the foreseeable future until the coronavirus goes away. Well, I'm here to tell you, November 4th, if Biden and Kamala win, the coronavirus goes away the next day. Or is it November 3rd? Is it November 3rd and it goes away November 4th? If Trump wins again, it ain't going nowhere. Because we're going to spend the next year trying to blame him for everything else again. So at the end of the day, liberal is a human being, conservative when it comes to politics. Mm -hmm. We are all humans, but sometimes we fall into the trappings of identity politics. We fall into the trappings of the tribalism there. But you know what? There's tribalism here in wrestling too. Now, again, this is episode 123, and I picked ECW from July 4th, 1995, TW. This is like, this was the tapings of Hardcore Heaven, 1995, and a lot of things was going on. But you know what? I'd like to like delve into from the past and share about, you know, what's going on in 2020. Because you know what? Sometimes... The tribalism happens in, in the sport of professional wrestling. You know this. You know people pick their sides, whether they like WWE, WCW, ECW, AWA, NWA. And now today, we talk about the Wednesday Night Wars with NXT and AEW Dynamite. We talk about the ratings. We talk about the demos. But you know what? I, I like to start off here, and then I want to get your banter on this, because you know what? Sometimes things irk me. Now, let's give the devil its due with ECW. Now, this is just my opinion because I am the ultimate ECW market and no one can stop that. No one can take that away from me. That's the only thing I'm very biased about and I'll admit that as the human being that I am. Now, ECW, whether people want to agree with it or not, changed the game of professional wrestling in the 90s. And I will say this, saved wrestling, saved professional wrestling. It, because of this little rinky-dink promotion, TW, with all the ideas and, and the presentation and, you know, breaking the fourth wall, if you will, every the rules change. The rules change for professional wrestling. And, of course, the bigger showcases like WCW and Eric Bischoff took from ECW. Not about wrestlers. I'm talking about ideas and presentation. And, of course, as Paul E. Dangerously said it himself, you couldn't have the Attitude Era without the ECW revolution. So ECW, this little promotion, changed the professional wrestling game. That's how serious it was. That's how special it is. Now, people in 2020, can you really say that AEW has changed the landscape of professional wrestling? I have to say no. I say it's, a, it's another opportunity for wrestlers to come in. And it's an opportunity that was started by the elites from New Japan. You know, the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega. They got an opportunity and they got a money mark in the name of Tony Khan to put his money where his mouth is to start a new league. Now, there's no doubt about it. A new league means opportunities. 
but changing the landscape of professional wrestling, I seriously disagree with that wholeheartedly in comparison to ECW. What say you, the Gorilla Monsoon of the PWR podcast? If it changed it, it changed it uh, to the past. <laughs> it didn't take it to the future because we're watching literally week after week after week it turn into Nitro by adding yet another WWE cast off to their roster after saying they were never going to do that. And I said this to someone on the page. I said, look, those signings for the most part, the Revival, uh, Dean Ambrose, uh, uh, Matt Hardy, Man, Matt Hardy, maybe, maybe not. I think he makes sense only because his history with the Young Bucks and 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 I believe they did stuff in Japan, right? Or, or at least Ring of Honor. But uh, mm-hmm. they all make sense. But the only problem is if he never would have opened his mouth and said, we're not going to fill the pond with WWE cast us. If he doesn't say that, no one has a problem with any of the signings, right? And I've already said it time i watch it i do not wish ill will on aew i hope it does well i hope it's along around for a long long time because it's a place for guys to work and possibly make a living doing it um i hope it grows you know i i don't want them to make a second show that's on monday night or friday night and get ballsy because that's what's going to end up making somebody go out of business but mm-hmm. i i hope good things but they have but they I have to it, but 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 tw they have to if they want to create competition they want to create this buzz they're succeeding why do you need to create competition you like they're I, the reason they haven't yet is because they're not exactly mopping up nxt right i think mm-hmm. if they would have crushed nxt there'd be a show on monday night by now but mm-hmm. they aren't there's weeks they haven't even beat them but what i was going to say is when i watch it for me the presentation is nitro all the tnt signs and it just look not this modern shit with the no crowds and all that that i feel like aew nxt and raw are all filmed at the same place you know mm-hmm. and i even seen some impact stuff and it looks like they're all using the same building like they're just hanging out like the nhl waiting their turn to use the ring in the building right so so hopefully this shit goes away before november 4th but I just, I need fans back in there. But when I watch AEW, the presentation for me is Nitro with Backyard Wrestlers. Because I feel like everyone there is under 200 pounds with rare exception. And for me, that ain't wrestling, right? So it's not. Mm -hmm. But just like with ECW, like we're talking about today, ECW wasn't for me. When I started wrestling, 95, I was wrestling. 94, when did it start? 93, 92? Yeah, 92, give or take. Okay, so 92, 93, they were starting out. They didn't blow up yet as far as, you know, everyone knowing who they were. Uh, And then when I started training in 93, I knew who they were. And when I started wrestling in 94, I would meet all those guys because they would do indie shows in Detroit all the time. Uh, I don't remember the referee's name, but uh, the referee that was always with Taz, or or, I mean Sabu. Um, Bill Alfonso? No, 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 no. Like in real life, he was always with him. He's a real skinny guy. He ended up doing Japan stuff with, with Sabu. He was always with him. I think his name's okay. John. But I, anyway, they, they, them being there was cool. The people knew who they were. And what I've always said, even though ECW wasn't for me, the fucking people that liked ECW loved ECW. So how can you how can you watch ECW, hear their fans, and not be happy for them? Like it's Regardless if I think it's good stuff, them people did, and that's what you mm-hmm. want. You you want the people who like it to be there. And AEW, I think their fans like it. I don't know. It's been too long since I've seen any show with fans, right? But if they like it, like Travis loves it. I don't know why. Maybe because Tully's on there. I don't know. But he loves mm-hmm. it, and he thinks I hate it. I don't hate it. I, if I wish it did something to make me like it. But like I said before, 
that match with Dean Ambrose and Kenny Omega with the bombs and the barbed wire and all that, I haven't watched it since. It, it was that bad to me. It, and mm -hmm. and I think I've seen snippets, but I've never turned the channel on to watch it. Well, with the rabid fan base of ECW, you know, that was the cult that Paul Heyman, you know, created. And that was the fuel that he needed to get ECW buzzing. It was not only because of Shane Douglas throwing down the NWA belt. It was because of the fans saying they wanted something different. So, you know, before we get into this show per se, and you just talked about it a little bit like AEW fans, do you feel the AEW fans? Is that ballsy or do you feel like, and I'm not trying to take a dig at this. These AEW fans are just NXT fans who just like, you know, maybe the flippity flop shit and then no psychology because, you know, NXT falls into that trappings a little bit of themselves, too. They're still 200 pound guys, too. Do you, what do you mean? Do I feel it? Oh, Keith Lee's not 200 pounds. That Dak, whatever that, Drinjack, whatever the hell that guy is that he wrestles all the time. That Dijakovic. Not, um, big fan of that dude in the UK, but that's a big boy. Um, if you mean feeling like, can I relate? Mm -hmm. But my, my problem with the fans of that promotion are the fact that they have to talk shit about every other promotion. If, if they just want lot, like, don't tell me what you don't well, like. We, tell me we why did, you we, like this. We did it. We did it too. I mean, as ECW fans, we went against WWE. Well, not WWF per se, but WCW a lot. I, I know why it's because it's, it's, brother complex right it's mm -hmm. instead of telling everybody how good ecw is you're upset that no one already doesn't know and you're like but you watch wcw that's trash like watch this instead but you forget to say watch this instead right and that's mm -hmm. so if the aew fans if they weren't just shitting on it to shit on it for I'm, all things vince mcmahon especially on our pages man and <laughs> any page that we post on it's just vince mcmahon would get shot walking down one of these people's streets and for what most of these people probably wouldn't even be wrestling fans if it wasn't for something vince did right so mm -hmm. including the motherfuckers wrestling in e aew so if if more aew fans told me what they liked about it and what to watch for like getting back to ecw i i think i've told you this before all I knew about ECW was the kendo stick and the barbed wire and the exploding ring and New Jack breaking people's necks and all these things. That's all I knew. And then come to find out years later, you had guys like Jericho and, and Landstorm versus Malenko and Benoit and Five Star Classics that I didn't know shit about. I just mm -hmm. thought they were in there in the same barbed wire, bloody, whatever. So in hindsight... I wish I would have went and tried to wrestle there because I probably had an end to at least do jobs for him because Paul E was always here. Like I, I'm, I'm telling you, Taz, Sabu, Tommy Dreamer, Paul E were always around us. Always. They were always here. And our crowds were always eating them up. Like, so, you know, and mm -hmm. they started turning crowds. They were maybe Philly's the, the best of the best when it comes to ECW fans, but they had fans. It didn't relate to ticket sales per se, but <clears throat> they had fans. The rabbit fan base. That were just like the Philly ones. It just wasn't as many of them. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it made it hard when I wrestled on a show that Sabu was on. I think I told you this before. They would always ask guys, hey, can he come in and cut your hair? Or can he kind of do it? So, so say there's six matches and Sabu versus Taz is the last match. The other five, Taz comes out and beats up the first two guys. The next match, Sabu does it. The next match, Taz does it. The next match, Sabu does it. And then the next match is them, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're a wrestling fan and you're there and the other four matches all stop because those two beat the shit out of everybody in the ring, why would you ever come back 
unless you were coming mm-hmm. to see Taz and Sabu again. So I always said no. They, I never once had them come into the ring and beat me up in my match. And all the mm-hmm. other guys did because, and I'm not patting myself on the back here, it was foolish pride because maybe I should take one beating from them. Maybe I get some clout from it. But all the it other was, guys. It was business sense. It, it was business sense that you did. They didn't want to do it. Right, because it would bury me there. Why would I want them to kick my ass in the place that I have to wrestle at next month that they might mm-hmm. not wrestle again for months, if not right. a year or so? So the guys that did say yes were a combination of young guys who were afraid to say no or mm-hmm. I hate to say it. They knew who they were, and they're like, oh, yeah, and they would just get killed. Like It wasn't even like they were nice about it. They got in there and killed these dudes, and some of them never wrestled again. They would get mm-hmm. their ass kicked and like, oh, this shit ain't for me, which, again, Ask Travis. I'm not one to talk about someone being stiff. I wanted people leaving the building thinking wrestling was real. So I kicked Travis's ass, but I expected him to kick mine back, right? So it's in, and again, I've only done that with friends. I've never beat up a new kid just for the sake of beating him up because then you just get the reputation of being an asshole. And I, I didn't want that. I just wanted mm-hmm. people to leave thinking it was real. And people left ECW shows thinking it was real. I have no doubt in my mind they did. Absolutely, that because that is the feeling. That was the aura of ECW, and you know what? Now we get into the show. You know, we can always critique. Well, you don't watch the AEW product like I do. You know, the AEW Dynamite product. You know, some people always critique the way that every segment is twenty minute matches, twenty minute matches, and really that's all it is. All flips, no psychology, no great interview segments. No great interview segments, no great video packages to keep the feel and the flow of the show. Now, this ECW show and many ECW television shows, if you're a true ECW mark, and you know me, I'm the most objective man, I'll call the spade a spade here. ECW television programming, especially on the on the MSG networks in the in the tri-state area, the Sunshine Network in Florida. I don't know where Detroit had ECW on their public access channels, but for an hour. <laughs> Before an hour at three in the morning, it was the most discombobulated, unorganized show, and I had no problem with ECW. But you know, you know, the purist, I guess you could say, TW, maybe like yourselves, might want structure, might want a run sheet, might want you know organization in their television shows to keep you flowing. Like, oh, I need A, B, C. ECW goes A, Z, X, P, <laughs> D. And then back to E. What say you, TW? Before we, you know, we talk about what's going on in this show here. We always talk about how it's usually Vince. We always talk about how world class did something. Vince stole it and did it better. AWA did something. Vince stole it and did it better. I would say ECW's appeal was that chaos because the product matched it. It wasn't mm. like it was chaos. And then it was just fucking wrestling clinics. It was chaos. And then someone damn near died falling off a balcony, right? So, um, or at least you thought there was a chance they'd die, right? No one actually died. But uh, perfect example is ECW did it and did it right. And then you had that MTV underground who tried to emulate it and failed, right? It just mm-hmm. looked hokey for the sake of being hokey instead of, and, and to a, another extent, you probably like to hear this. I think the WWE ECW, I had no problem with it. It kind of had to be different, but 
it was too different. It was homogenized. It was it was NXT. And, it was, and so it was corporate. It was very corporate that no one liked it. Corporate, yeah. But it was too structured and then there wasn't enough chaos. And and I remember I remember when the zombie came to the ring, <laughs> I literally went, Oh, this is dead. Because I knew the people who were watching it strictly because of ECW who did not watch Raw, who did not watch SmackDown probably turned their TV off immediately and never went back. And if they did, whatever came out next, Zack Ryder with one pant leg. You know, Zack Ryder's cool. He's still around. But he comes out looking like Heather Mills on Dancing with the Stars. And it was just like, it almost seemed like, and and just like with the NWO and WCW coming to WWF, the right guys didn't come uh, soon enough. So Mm -hmm. ECW starts, and basically the zombie comes out and... CM Punk is your star, and Zack Ryder, and The Miz, and Big Big Show. It was over for me when Big Show became ECW. And then Bobby Lashley, I think, was okay because he was still new. Kurt Angle going there made no sense. Um, And it did because you're trying to put a a star there. But Mm -hmm. you don't see Kurt Angle going to NXT or someone like – you don't see who who could – like Seth – well, Seth came from there. But picture a guy in WWE going to NXT. Finn, I guess. Brock Brock Lesnar? Right, Brock. Brock doesn't go there to compete. He would go there to destroy them and never mm-hmm. come back. But like that's what Kurt Angle was supposed to be going there because I pick ECW. It was just it was bad. And and again, if you didn't call it ECW, it wasn't terrible. It just wasn't ECW. And so to answer your question, I liked the chaos of ECW. And and back then I did it because I was a structured guy with my wrestling. But mm-hmm. I appreciate it way more now for what it was because if you're trying to stand out, they succeeded. It was right. And even with this segment of July 4th, 1995, the structure here, you know, a lot of things happen in this show. And again, reflection, I said, we're not going to go by segment and spend two hours on this. I think we can, like, you know, shorten it for the viewing, for the listening pleasure of the Magnificent Seven Years. So the biggest, hottest angle of 95 was a referee. A bad referee, a man who came from the pillars and the legacies of NWA and WWF. He's your friend and mine, the man who calls it right down the middle, Bill Alfonso, the man stirred up shit in ECW. (laughs) How did a man like Bill Alfonso, you know, Paul Heyman knew something, you know, the formula is always there. Because it's nothing new. It's nothing, you know, original, you could say. Because we've seen bad referees. We've seen referees on the take. You know, like Danny Davis. And, of course, World Class had their, you know, bad referees. Hebners. The Hebners. So, you know, a referee being a hot angle, having issues with Paul Heyman, having issues with the ECW commissioner, Todd Gordon. What say you about Bill Alfonso's, you know, at, at least here under the July 4th of the just edition of ECW television that you saw. How important was he to all these underlying storylines? He was the man from the from the corporate structure of wrestling. He was the man that that understood the, the state athletic commission's bylaws and, you know, all that stuff. And he wanted to put it in a place that you said was full of chaos and mayhem. It just didn't go well, but it was pure storyline goal. What say you, TW? Uh, watching this was the first time I ever realized he had an accent. I never <laughs> knew he had an accent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got summer teeth. Some are here, some are there, some are missing. <laughs> uh, and, and here's the good and the bad. The bad is he wasn't very good, right? He, he was all over the place. And, and like, 
he repeated things and you know he was like a spaz especially at the end on the phone call like i'm gonna mm-hmm. ban all the fans or whatever but the thing about it is it worked with the chaos because it looked like he was rushed and it looked like he was getting what he could get in before he got run out of there or whatever but that's not what was the, the deal was he wasn't going to get run out of there because he was the authority. He wasn't the authority, but you know what I mean? Like he mm-hmm. had the goods holding over their head. And at one point uh, with him, him and Paul Heyman, it was so predictable what Heyman was going to say and what he was going to do when he said, if a wrestler touches me, I'm shutting ECW down. No wrestler can touch an official. And then Paul, he goes, well, good. Cause I'm not a wrestler. I'm going to kick your ass and challenge him to a fight. When really, he should have just bonked him, right? Mm-hmm. Telling him he's going to hit him isn't as cool as just hitting him. I think that pops the crowd better. But when we get to it, there was a reason why he did it that way, and it played out. But Alfonso was, was again, you said it. My first referee as part of the story was Danny Davis. You know, and By the way, you knew that was Mr. X, right? He was Mr. X mm-hmm. as the wrestler. And then mm-hmm. Danny Davis is the referee. That's why he wore long sleeve shirt because he had tattoos he couldn't show, which is why the golden rule in wrestling back then was to never get a tattoo. Now look at those sons of bitches. Um, yeah. Now you can't have Ma- was- you can't have max wrestlers now because we know their tattoos. That's the problem. Dress like suicide, which they're on uh, number eighty-seven of the guys in the suit playing suicides. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, look at the things that Bill Alfonso did in this episode alone. He reversed the decision of a tag team championship match in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. I, I, you know, for anybody who lives in Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, if there's any reflection, God bless you because, you know, that's a small-ass <laughs> town. And and they played in a bar, TW. It was a bar. Oh, wow. you get, Shotgun Saturday night. It's Yeah, it was the Shotgun Saturday night field. And again, a great idea that was, I guess you could say it was stolen. You know, Vince McMahon steals an idea from you know, Paul Heyman and tries to make it better with shotgun Saturday night. But here's the examples. He reverses the tag team championship decision. He reverses. He does not want to see, you know, two men fighting with spikes on, the, on their hands, you know, a Taipei match or whatever it was called. And again, he reversed the decision between Taz and two cold Scorpio. And of course he was aligned with himself with the franchise, Shane Douglas Four storylines and he was the man in the center of all that. And to me, it made all the sense in the world because he was, you know, he had the golden ticket. He had the Philadelphia State Athletic Commission license to do and say what he wanted. And it just made all the sense in the world because to me, I like you hear the Philadelphia State Athletic Commission, the 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 realism. It's realism right there because you know there was something like that because I remember you know back in '88 with the Baltimore State Athletic Commission you know screwing Luger. Luger. So that didn't like I was never gonna say that's fake as fuck. You know Bill Alfonso. You know <laughs> I believe I would say you know even in my teens I'm like that's a real thing. Even if I did you know if I knew a little bit of what's going on behind the business I'm like that's actually a real thing. And I can accept that. What say you, TW? Uh, my first year in the business, you had to get your blood pressure checked before you went out to the wrestling ring. If mm-hmm. you didn't pass, you didn't wrestle, like legit. So you, they could book a show. And the Michigan State Athletic Commission, I had to have a license to wrestle in Michigan. I had to have a license to wrestle in Ontario. I had both. I wish I still had them somewhere in a box, or both of them. Um, then about 
when, whatever year it was, Vince McMahon ratted out the business to the federal government because of the tax shit that he was going through or whatever he was going through. Um, mm-hmm. It all went away. But you had to have a doctor there. So, okay. It, side note, digression. You would agree there are too many independent wrestling federations, right? Mm-hmm. I okay. can't even Michigan, count it. No, Michigan alone, when I started, I think had two, maybe three. There's wow. at least three around me of all the ones all over the states so mm-hmm. someone like mcw which was michigan territorial wrestling which we renamed mexican territorial wrestling oh, i did uh when we were los rudos um they ran in detroit port huron toledo and they did triple shots all the time and you'd make money because mm. they were licensed and then the other one was uh, Midwest Championship Wrestling, MCW. That was with Sweet Daddy Malcolm Monroe and the original Sheik and guys like that. Sabu would work for them. They were licensed. And then maybe you'd have someone way up north, right? And that was it because you had to pay not only for your license every year, you had to pay for a physician to be at ringside because if someone got hurt, they needed someone there to help them right away, right? Mm-hmm. Once that went away, and once you didn't have to do that, bam. Man, you could run a show today with sell lemonade, make our kids sell the shit, not pay taxes on it, and just hope we don't get raided. But as far as the rushing show, guys do run with insurance. Some buildings won't let you run unless you buy the insurance because they don't mm-hmm. want to get sued. Right. So these fuckers just find buildings that don't make them get insurance. And then guys get hurt all the time. No one covers it. They just go broke. Mm. Or just don't go to the doctor. And that's that's what I think ruined a lot of the, the wrestling around here is because there's still some good stuff. Um, but you have way too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm. And so that's to why answer we your got... question, the commission was real. And, mm-hmm. and to this day, hopefully you'll straighten me out, you'll smart me up. To mm-hmm. this day, I'm, there's part of me that still thinks Lex Luger really, maybe he wasn't winning anyway, but part of me feels like the guy did get in the ring because he was covered in blood and stopped the match, right? I mm-hmm. bought it then. I wouldn't doubt if that really happened, and they just storylined it or whatever um, because I don't think he was intended to win the title that night because they didn't just had him win it the next night on WCW Saturday night or something to, to make right. up for the faux pas. But it, it, it was absolutely a possibility. And then if you have the term going into business for yourself, obviously they taped ECW, so you wouldn't have known this then. It would have never made TV if he was going into business for himself. It would have been edited mm-hmm. out. It would have been no Alfonso. He, he wouldn't have been recurring. It would have happened once, like the pipe bomb, and then mm-hmm. he disappeared. Uh, but since it was recorded, that's really the giveaway because they're not going to air it. He's legitimately going to do the things he's saying he's going to do. I have a question for you, though. Shoot. Other thing this whole show centers on, Shane Mm -hmm. Douglas. Right. Did he legit go? Well, you know know what? It's funny you say that because now we can talk about this right now. You know, another big thing in this show was – I want to say how great ECW is in, in the sense that I always called this the bridge of professional wrestling because it acknowledged all the promotions. Just like, you know, Impact Wrestling, they acknowledge other promotions and AEW, you know, they take pot shots at other promotions. We know this. New Japan, they, you know, they recognize the other promotions. But ECW, for some strange reason, was the perfect organization to be the bridge because their storylines actually coincided with people leaving. And Shane Douglas, the franchise Shane Douglas, who put the company on his back, as he said it, 
the man who dropped the NWA belt and, you know, proclaimed himself the extreme championship wrestling heavyweight champion and made a little territory in South Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, known nationwide, not worldwide, nationwide, was having That's heavy it was having heavy negotiations with the World Wrestling Federation, having heavy negotiations with Vince McMahon, because this is the beauty of ECW, because as a fan, you know, I'm blinded by my mark. What's the word I can say? Markism? Markism? Whatever you want to call it, TW. But fandom. Mark's a terrible my, word. You should stop okay. calling yourself that. Fan, okay. Fandom. My fandom for my fandom for ECW. Every time that somebody negotiated with the big boys like WCW and the big boys like WWF, you know, we see it today. Like, you know, if someone from the WWE right now, like let, let's say, you know, Zack Ryder, who no no, well, Mysterio, you feel like Mysterio has been slighted, he should go to AEW. You feel like the Good Brothers have been slighted. They went to Impact Wrestling. Zack Ryder, he, you feel he was he was slighted. Now he's Matt Cardona AEW. So you want people to get another shot somewhere else so they can play their trait. But the funny thing is with ECW, you didn't want them to go. You didn't understand the economics. You didn't understand that, you know, independent wrestling, you know, what you always said, hot dog and a handshake. That don't pay the bills. That don't, you know, right. cover the light bill. That don't cover the, the water bill. That don't cover rent. That don't cover car notes. That don't cover mortgage. So, you un, you know, it took years after ECW went out of business for even me to accept that you have to make these business decisions. And so for Shane Douglas, who never really got that payday, no matter what people could say, he had a, a nice career in UWF, a nice career in NWA. You know, he had his shots in WWF here and there. But when the money is there, TW, you got to take it. So this was a big thing. And ECW was willing to incorporate that, his exit out. And sometimes, you know, the, the rule is, you know, you exit out. And, and bury him. And bury him. They no, didn't he bury him. Bury him. He, he, he was still causing right. shit. So what's the question you got, you want for, for franchise? How Was it real? Was yes, this, it was real. Was this when he really left? It was yes. when he really left and became Dean Douglas. Here, he, here's this, what was his swan, this, was his, this was his swan song in 95, July, because he left probably three weeks after July 4th. I will, I will ask you this question. Hindsight, 2020. Mm -hmm. Did Shane Douglas leaving open the door for someone else to become the man? And I think it did. And the perfect example of that modern day, only it's the same company, is when mm -hmm. a guy leaves NXT and goes to the WWF, some dude rises above and becomes the it guy in NXT. Like, if they don't leave, it becomes stagnant. And, you know, for every uh, for every Seth Rollins that leaves NXT to go to WWE, there's uh, Samoa Joe. Uh, no, Samoa did well. He's just hurt all the time or pissing dirty. No, but, but I, I understand Seth what you Rollins that go. No, I'm saying Seth goes and it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Then goes lukewarm. It was started good, but he's fucking made of glass, so it kind of derailed mm -hmm. him. But then you right. have uh, Tyler Breeze, who's a big deal down there, goes mm -hmm. to the WWF, nothing. The revival, nothing. You know, so and it's because the fear is you don't get the same writers, you don't get the same opportunities. You might not make it on Raw and SmackDown, and back then you didn't get the chance to go back because that looked like failure, right? Mm -hmm. So right. Finn doing it kind of opened the door, and I think if COVID doesn't come along. I think more guys would have done it by now because mm -hmm. it would have 
there would have been momentum to it. Now it just looks like one guy did it, you know, and everyone else is waiting to go. Um, right. So, so ECW, Shane going, yeah, you're going to miss him, but, and he flopped in WWF. I mean, he, he won the IC title or whatever, but it wasn't a good run. And I've always liked Shane Douglas. Uh, I didn't like him as the fucking dynamic dudes with Johnny Ace, but I liked him with Steamboat. I liked him. He's a good worker and he's a good talker. And the time I met him with Scott DeMore, he's a nice guy. But um, yeah, this was his chance to make some money. And that's, it's the wrestling business, right? And mm -hmm. I would, I would hope. Shane is the Hulk Hogan of ECW. If, if that's how you're going to describe him with the belt and all that stuff he did, you would hope if anybody got paid first, it would be him. You know, when mm -hmm. everybody else was checks were bouncing or whatever, yeah, whole Shane was getting paid, and then and then when he's not getting paid, there's just no hope. <laughs> like no one's right. getting paid if you're not paying the, the main guy. So so my question would be, Shane Lee's who fills the void? Is it RVD? Maybe Taz? Taz looked like a jobber on the show to me. No mohawk, two straps instead of one strap on a singlet, no he, knee pads. The, that that character that you grown to love as the shoot fighter Taz was not there just yet. It didn't hone its craft until November of 95. But what you're saying is true because Taz took the ball when franchise left. You know, Raven took the ball when franchise left. Sandman took the ball. Too cold took the ball. You know, everything you just said, one guy leaves the next, you know, the old saying in team sports, next, next man, up. man up, next man up. And that's what it was. But again, they incorporated leaving as a story angle. And again, like you said, the, the rule is you get buried. Shane Douglas did not technically get buried because there were certain underlying, you know, things there. And we'll talk about this after the fact here, Reflection Ice. But first, let's take a quick you know, pause for the cause and here's some of the stuff that happened in this episode of ECW from July 4th, 1995 by our executive producer, Big Ray Hernandez. And like always, this is brought to you by Brosters. This is brought to you by StevieRichardsFitness.com and it's brought to you by these nuts of the professor. Let's get to the highlights on the episode 123 of the PWR podcast. In the most unlikely of places, on the least likely of nights, the night before Hardcore Heaven 95 in the small community of Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, we proved once again that every live ECW event is an extreme experience as new ECW Tag Team Champions were crowned.
the champions. We are the champions. We are the champions. No time for losers. Like you, Public Enemy, because we are the champions. <laughs> Tonight, on this glorious night, Raven and Stevie Richards fulfilled my destiny and became the ECW World Tag Team Champions. Black Scorpio lands on top of his skull. There's a cover, two, put on the rope. in ECW out of order. I find the wrestlers in ECW out of order. I find the promotion way out of order. And the most of all, I find the fans out of order. And on July 15th in the next big show, I'm personally banning each and every one of you fans. And I challenge you to define my order and earn the wrath of referee Bill Alfonso. Slam time! 
Tommy will stay behind. And the ECW will stop the deal with the abusive power of referee Bill Alfonso. Alrighty, welcome to the second half of the boardroom styles of ECW from July 4th. 1995 and TW again we talked about Shane Douglas leaving that that was a big angle and, you know breaking the fourth wall TW you know it's not something that should be done right TW is like that's that's breaking the rules that's breaking the traditions and ECW broke a lot of traditions and the fans ate it all up to me that felt new and to me that felt exciting what say you TW about that as we talk about this earlier wouldn't you say them doing this is what made Hall and Nash possible? Absolutely. I would agree with that 100%. Because the, the best thing is, is there was always something that they could do to sustain it. Like, like the pipe bomb. You could only do that once, right? You can't mm -hmm. do it again or it just gets watered down. Well, you got ECW. You got guys leaving and shooting on that. Then you got Austin coming in there for two weeks to talk shit about Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan, and then boom, he's headed to New York. And then you got Brian Pillman coming there. So there was always someone to do it and someone different to keep it fresh and keep it going, whereas mm -hmm. WCW, it was Hall and Nash, and then it, they took it for a two-year run, and then they just ran out of steam because they never had anything new to sustain it. Actually, mm -hmm. Luger coming out at the Mall of America for the first Nitro was kind of huge because he was on Raw and Nitro at the same time. Because Raw was mm -hmm. taped, I think. Uh, and right. No, no, it wasn't. It was live, and he fucked them. The next, Rick Rude was the one that was on their Raw tapes and Nitro live. Um, mm -hmm. But then once Hall and Ash came there, who really was the big reveal? Nobody. There was, you know, your you, oh, because Ted DiBiase's there, and the Mach Macho Man was already there. So, but ECW, and and I'll still say this: the key, I think, to succeeding. And making people want to come back for more is one hour. One hour. That's it. Mm -hmm. In a week. How many mm -hmm. hours are there in a week? You know? Ma you many hours. Mm -hmm. You only get one. 24 hours in a day times seven. You only get one hour to see ECW unless you get lucky to find some syndicated shit that's usually hodgepodge, not even a theme to the show or whatever. NXT was better to me when it was one hour. Now that it's two hours... I couldn't say last time I watched it. So it, it's been it's you, been stale. You, it, it, that was a show that didn't need to be two hours. It, NXT was perfect absolutely. as the one. Was and, the and perfect it one hour for show. A long time with these these stupid ass COVID no fans allow rules, and it's like mm -hmm. I just I just I just think one hour was enough because, like I said, like you you watch it. My guys are Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano. There'd be weeks where neither one of them are on the show, and I was like, motherfucker. And then, but it made me want to watch next week when they would be. You know, mm -hmm. and they deliver when they were. Now they're out there every week, and sometimes twice, and sometimes three times with Adam Cole because he's out there with the Undisputed Era. So when it's just one hour, it, it sucks for some of the guys that don't get airtime. But it, it but, leaves some. But if you but if you're on but if you're on the air, they they trust you. Take if you're on the air, take you get the ratings. You take advantage of it. You get the ratings, and they, they can trust you, and they know it's going to be a good show because they put their A-list players, and that's what ECW did with their one-hour right. presentation. So, you know, and you look at this. We talked about it a little bit here. There was a match that we could talk about a little bit here, and that was Taz and Two Cold Scorpio. 
And of course, you know, this wasn't the Taz that you know as the human suplex machine, the shoot fighter, the man who's, you know, who takes, you know, kicks ass and takes names. He was, he was, you know, getting out of the Tasmaniac character. So I'm trying to explain it here for UTW that he was, you know, coming into his own, but it wasn't there yet. It wasn't refined. That's why he was represented by Paulie Dangerously. And of course, Two Cold Scorpio, you know, they missed the boat in WCW with Two Cold Scorpio. And ECW oh. was, the, was the perfect organization for him to be what he was. And of course, WWE fucked it up with Flash Funk, but we're not going to go into that. <laughs> Now, you saw Two Cold Scorpio, you know, the full potential, the full untapped potential, even in this match, TW. What say you about Taz and Two Cold Scorpio? Whatever you want to take from this match. We're not going to go into the who won or lost. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. Well, my biggest problem with it was the finish, but uh, it, 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 it answered my question, right? So hmm. when you put your foot on the rope, you leave it there when you tell the referee, my foot was on the rope. As soon as the three pound mm -hmm. was hit, the guy whose foot was on the rope took it off. I'll prove your foot was on the rope. You don't. Mm -hmm. That's when the skirmish between Bill Alfonso and, and Todd Lee happened. And Todd Gordon got in there. Uh, Todd Gordon, didn't he tell Shane Douglas to kick rocks too? Um, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into right. that in a, in a bit. In a bit. So then Too Cold hits Taz with a chair and then leg drops him off the top rope and he pins Taz. So mm -hmm. um, that's why he took his foot off the rope, you know, so they, it, it was, but he still should have left it there. It's, it's wrestling 101. If you're a heel, you put, because the other thing you do is your foot's not on the rope against Manny Fernandez. I'm name dropping all night. He mm -hmm. pinned me. I immediately sat up, put my foot on the rope and looked at the referee and said, hey, my foot was on the rope. It wasn't on the rope when he pinned me. But mm -hmm. I put it on the rope after he pinned me. I was very furious with Manny Fernandez. That's why I did it. And then I no-sold him at the end. I just wanted the match to end without me dying. And then we got out of the ring and we left. But putting mm -hmm. your foot on the rope happens, and then you take your foot right off the rope made no sense to me. But that guy was but a there was a dude. Right, but there was a reason, at least for this, that that was a very integral part. Because, you know, uh, again, in Jim said it. Right. In Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania, uh, Bill Alfonso said, and I'm not quoting verbatim, there's no instant replay in professional wrestling. The final call stands. But that was when, a, when it was a heel who got the win. Now the heel, which was too cold Scorpio, took the loss. So Bill Alfonso said, I have to get it right. We have to get the call right. And that's why he started the match. And that's what made you know the Philadelphia ECW Arena fans pissed off. Again, you know, it works because the fans understand that they have to be a part of the show, TW. Talk about that. The, the interaction, you know, I know you don't like the raspy voice of Bill Alfonso, but it was just, it was so annoying. It was just so right. perfect. For the, That's perfect. For the fans no, it's, to it's interact perfect. with that. And, and and the loss does more for Taz than the win would have, right? Mm -hmm. And the win, the win for Tuco Scorpio does more than the loss would have because the win makes you hate him more. And, mm -hmm. and and the loss makes you want Taz to get the win more. And so it's it's good. But leave your damn foot on the rope. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Don't take your foot off the rope. Because Alfonso can come out and point at it and go, look, his foot's on the rope. He can't do mm -hmm. that if the foot's not on the rope no more. So, so, th so that's the nitpicking that TW will always leave for this episode. And Taz didn't wear knee pads. Other than that, I didn't have a problem. Did Taz, wait a minute. Taz never had knee pads in his career. I, I Maybe not. You know what? 
But he had a regular singlet on, so it looked weird. He when he went to that one arm singlet, it was draws. It wasn't shorts. Okay. It was like, was that okay? It was like Bree, yeah, because he almost looked uh, like Tarzan, right? So it made more <laughs> that, sense. That's why he was the Tasmaniac for that for that real but reason. When I wrestled in high school with a singlet on. I had knee pads on. Otherwise, you get rug burn on your damn knee or mat burn on your knees. So it, it looked he looked like a high school wrestler without the knee pads, like he forgot them. And so he had wait, a little wait. tiny ass girl boots like Goldberg. I hate him. Let's let's you know let's cut this let's finalize this TW. What is the rules for sing for knee pads, singlets, you know, regular shorts, long pants? What what is the rules for knee pads? Break it down, GQ, you know, the John Mackey. Kevin Von Eric gets the pass for no knee pads because <laughs> he had no boots either. Yeah, he had Taz no gets, oh, that's Kerry. Oh, I'm sorry. Kerry wore knee pads, damn it. Don't you put that evil on Kerry. Okay. Taz gets the pass because that one arm singlet, the mohawk with the long hair on the one side, and mm-hmm. the low cut boots. He looked like the Tasmanian Devil, right? Yeah, that's even better than Tarzan. He looked like the Tasmanian Devil, so it fit the gimmick. But mm-hmm. coming out there with no knee pads on a regular basis and your draws with no shirt on—it's terrible. It's no. Those are the only two exceptions: Taz, Kevin Von Erich. That's it. Otherwise, you got to wear knee pads, man. You got to do it. Okay, I'm just, you know, I just want to get the finalized version from the Bob Mackey of the PWR podcast that is TW here. And you know what? Before we close out this quick edition of the boardroom ECW side, I like this. It it went by so fast. There's nothing left to talk about. There was a match between Cactus Jack and Sandman for the ECW Heavyweight Championship of the World. And again, the storyline of Shane Douglas leaving for the WWF played its hand here because Cactus Jack had a semblance of respect for Shane Douglas. They had a kinship. They had some kind of connection. There was, best friends. They were, there was mutual respect, best friends, and his best friend cost him the opportunity for his dream of being the world heavyweight champion. You know, talk about the booking and even talk about the aftermath because the, the rookie of the year of 94, as Ray, you know, laid it out on us in last week's episode of the PWR podcast, 911 played a, a role, the one move of doom, the choke slam on Shane Douglas, and then he's fired and he's gone to go to the WWF. Talk about anything so, so we can close out this episode of The Boardroom. I was confused by this because Sandman was clearly a face. The whole episode was Shane Douglas in the beginning, in the middle, and the, obviously at the it, end. It's so it's not a, well. A let me let me let me interrupt you here. I'm sorry, but ECW maybe again. It's like the AEW, you know, trappings. I would say we never define people. There was the shades of gray, right? We there was so much shades of gray. There was so much shades of gray in ECW. You know, it's not like AEW saying, well, one you know one storyline this guy can be a heel, and the next storyline he can be a face. They we didn't do that. It was just shades of gray. And whatever happens, feuds. happens. It's just right, right. And so everybody tech- was capable of cheating. Everybody was right. capable of wrestling. <laughs> Technically, but, but here for me, Cactus was the babyface. I just wanted to. Oh, he know. was. Yes, he was the babyface. So the dynamic was: this is a babyface. Shane's a heel, but they're still friends, and that's where you say mutual respect. So right. Shane costing Cactus made the fans mad because mm-hmm. Sam, because because that's what it looked like to me. Cactus is a heel with Shane because mm-hmm. he bumped woman. Bumped right. woman, Cactus did. 
That's a heel move to me, right? But not in ECW because Tommy Dreamer used to tear up Francine and whoever else with pile drivers. Mm -hmm. Um, right. But Sandman's, the, in my eyes, what I thought I was watching, Sandman's the hate face, Cactus Jack's the heel with Shane Douglas, Shane attacks Sandman, crowd sucks, then he beats up, not beats up, but hits the kendo stick on, on, on Jack after telling Sandman, this is your wrestling lesson, keep your friends close and your enemies right behind you, and then hits Taz. He fucked the wording up, but I got it, and then mm -hmm. Taz, or not Taz, Jack loses to Sandman, and I'm thinking the crowd's flat because they just watched the good guy cheat to win over the bad guy. It almost makes Jack a good guy now and Sandman a bad guy with mm -hmm. So I was confused by the whole thing, but now you've explained it to me. So it was, it was kind of like Rock and Sock Connection where the Rock was a good guy and Mankind's a bad guy and I want to be your friend and all that kind of shit. So I get it now, but it was mm -hmm. confusing to me at first right. because I felt like it, it – it, sullied sandman's victory if he was the face by winning like that and i didn't like that he potatoed sandman first and pile drived him with the barbed wire mm -hmm. and stood over his carcass and then hits jack with a kendo stick and doesn't put sandman on top of him sandman just gets up and covers him and gets the win and i thought well that's not how you sell a pile driver on barbed wire but he did but he he looked hurt and like he took everything he had but there was some green stuff, some rookie stuff that, that I think guys did. But all in all, it worked. It left Shane out with a bang. Let, let Jack Cactus Jack get some uh, baby face heat because he got ripped off and all that. But it was all right. Well, you know, again, look at the way Shane Douglas leaves to go to the WWF. Yes, he gets chokeslammed by 911. So, so technically, the rules of being buried is there for that. But what say you, TW, to close out? Shane Douglas left ECW strong, and right. that's to and that's to me the cardinal sin. You don't do that. You you have to give you have to pass the torch to somebody, and it's not nine one nine one one. Nine one one is not the I guy to give the torch to. That's what I'm just trying to say. He took out the Here's he took out the heavyweight champion, and he took out his best friend, quote unquote. He took out two top contenders, and he actually said, "F the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. I'm taking Vince's money." That's the way I looked at it as a at my fandom. Okay, two things you got to remember: one, change their Hulk Hogan. Mm -hmm. he, if burying a guy is when he has 90 days left on his contract, and for 30. He gets beat every Monday night on Raw clean, and then you don't see him again for 60 days, and then he comes out on WCW, right? Mm -hmm. Shane didn't get buried because he was on top. This whole show was Shane. Shane, Joey Styles, and uh, Alfonso are the three most prominent people on this episode. So you leave the door open for Shane coming back if you which don't he bury did. him that way. Which he did in 96. <laughs> Also, Vince McMahon secretly paying the bills for for Paulie. Who knows how long that affiliation was there? So there's no need to bury him if you're friends with the place he's going to, right? You're you're mm -hmm. if anything, you're giving him the rub so that he can be a bigger deal in the WWF where if he goes there buried, then what's where's his value, right? Mm -hmm. Um so I think the friendship is what made him not get buried. Like I think if little Guido was leaving, he's jobbing out every week and then he's going to the WCW, right? That's, that's just how it's going to be. Um, mm -hmm. How did they do guys that went to WCW? Like what did Jericho do on the way out? 
Uh, he lost the TV championship on his way out. Uh, Benoit, you know, they did their Ben, uh, not Benoit, uh, Malenko and Guerrero did a time limit five star classic draw. Benoit, hug, right? yeah, yeah, with a hug. Uh, Benoit left on good terms. Bam Bam left on good terms. A lot of people left on good terms, and and I Mike guess the, didn't. He left with the belt. Yeah, he did. But he went. He went back and dropped it, though, didn't he? Yes, he did. He had no choice. So you know, he not showed up. Right. Well, you know, again, it, it goes without saying that in the ECW land, everybody who left left, you know, on good, not not good terms. I mean, I just, they left with their their respect or something, or they left with a lot of momentum. That's the thing I'm trying to say. And then you know. Yeah. Dean Douglas fails. He comes back in '96, and then all is forgiven. You know that's all. It, that's the beauty of an ECW fair. You know we could say you sold out to go to WWF or WCW, but we welcome you back with open arms because we're like crack addicts. We forgive and forget, and we needed we needed our fix of you in ECW. And with that, that is this has been the boardroom edition of ECW from July fourth, nineteen ninety five. TW. Did you like this kind of presentation of an episode for the PWR podcast, or did you miss segment by segment, match by match, hold for hold? I liked it. I didn't miss any any of the stuff. It's uh, it's uh, it's like I wish I would have been able to make the tag team talk and uh, and the the other shows where you focused on things because. I mean, we, if, if we're just doing shows every week, then if we're bored doing it, and so will everybody listening, all seven of them. But to do this, just to talk it, don't you feel like we could go on and on and on? We just found the part where we could just end it because we focused on this episode. But if we were just mm -hmm. talking about ECW, we could go for days. So I, I enjoyed it a lot, actually. Me too. So, you know, what? I don't know. 48 minutes of my life watching this show. I'm not going to lie about that because it was a lot of talk. There's only one actual match and highlights from others. Uh, two matches highlights. Uh, the Taz too cold was the only maybe, match. Maybe since you broke your cherry in the way we presented this boardroom style of an episode, now you'll know how to watch it, and then you'll just take notes for bullet points, and then we can right. just go Absolutely. from there. So you know, you broke your cherry. You know, you're not a virgin anymore to the episode stylings of wrestling here on the PWR podcast. And with that being said, we come to a stellar conclusion here, episode 123. It went by so quickly. I don't know what we're going to do next week. Can we do boardroom for AWA? Global? We could do anyone. We could do, uh, you know, NWA. We could do, you know, WCCW, you know. When's, when's the last time we did an NWA show at all? That Baltimore pay-per-view where Luger and, and, and Flair did the, mm -hmm. uh, the the commission gimmick that'd be a fun one to talk about but i like the hour-long shows not the four-hour pay-per-view well you know what maybe we'll find a mid-atlantic show we'll go back really old we'll go back really old school so we'll do that so that maybe next week we might do mid-atlantic we might we might not reflection nights so stay tuned for the seven loyal ones who went over from hacker hameen at podbeam.com to hameen media group at podbeam.com you know I know the numbers here, Reflection Night, so I know the, I know seven of you came over, so that's a damn that's for damn sure. But that's a that's a rib for Ben Hami. That's not you know that's the inside joke for Ben. That's all I'll say. But anyway, TW, <laughs> you're the king of social media. Give out your socials here on the PWR podcast. I wish I was the king. I'd be making money like them damn Paul brothers. But uh, obviously, the show on Twitter is at PW Reflection. Uh, Hami Media Group is Hami Media Group at 
Um, the the producer, the guy that puts this all together for us at Big Ray Show, which I think he's changing it to a different thing. So what the big that out. Big Ray Ministry. Big Ray Ministry. Yeah. And then. Um, oh yeah, I already had that down here at Big Ray's Ministry. I actually put the S at the end of words. Tra- uh, mm-hmm. Professor that has not learned it yet. My aunt taught me how to do it, <laughs> but uh, okay. I used to not do it too. But mine is at Tommy Wonder Nineteen for the. We're getting in the home stretch of the politics where I just hand hand out receipts to idiots on Twitter or at the Tommy Wonder for for the wrestling talk. Uh, Snapchat, I think, is Tommy Wonder. I don't know. Um, I got Parlor now, which I think is at Tommy Wonder. Um, Do you got Tau? Facebook.com backslash Tommy, Tommy Wonder. Huh? You got Tau? Yeah. Isn't Tau when you got your scores? I have no idea. I'm just asking I because... I think the- I had Tau. It just... What Tau did was it calculated all your posts and how much heat you got from them, right? So you mm-hmm. get a Tau score. But that, I think that's long gone, isn't it? I'm just trying to be funny here. All right, well, I had a towel, so it worked. You you were funny. But <laughs> it, that wasn't something you shared. It was it was like your stats. Oh, okay. And you know what? Follow, you know, the essential ones. Send your, you know, your love, your support for the aspects he's been receiving at the Raw Underground Pits with Shane McMahon at P1JB. And, of course, support his shows, the Film Frequency Podcast and Cage Theory with himself, Barnett, and Blake True. Every week on the Hami Media Streams. And of course, follow me on my Twitter at P-R-O-F-P-W-Hustle, a.k.a. P-W-Hustle. And for that, I'm the professor. This has been Tommy Wonder saying goodnight. See you next time. And can we do an ECW war cry? Can you do one, TW, to end this show? I think this, I think this is your field of expertise, and you should do it. Okay. For this... War cry, we're gonna dedicate this one to Joey Styles himself. Can't fight! Can't fight! See you next week, Reflectionites!